0: Is the first Sunday of Lent. Uh, Lent is a 40-day period some church traditions take as a time of reflection in preparation for the celebration of Jesus' resurrection on Easter. This uh, Lent at PCBW, we're going to be studying what is known to most of us as the Lord's Prayer. A prayer familiar to many of us, though as this story will show, not to all of us. There is an apparently true story told about a time when Chicago Bears coach Mike Ditka was about to deliver his locker room pep talk. And he looked up and saw before him uh, defensive tackle William Refrigerator Perry. At 338 pounds, he was hard to miss. Ditka gestured to the fridge and said, When I get finished, I'd like you to close with the Lord's Prayer. And then the coach began his talk. Well, meanwhile, Jim McMahon, the team's brash quarterback of the time, poked Bears chaplain John Cassis and whispered, look, Perry doesn't know the Lord's Prayer. (laughs) Sure enough, there was the fridge with a panicked look on his face, head in his hands, sweating profusely. Cassis replied, nah, he's just nervous. Everybody knows the Lord's Prayer. Again, a few minutes of watching uh, Perry sweat and McMahon came back to Cassis and said, I'll bet you 50 bucks that the fridge doesn't know the Lord's Prayer. When Ditka finished, he nodded at Perry and bowed his head. The room was quiet, and then the fridge, in a shaky voice, began, Now I lay me down to sleep. (laughs) Cassus then felt a tap on his shoulder. Again, it was McMahon who whispered to him and said, here's the 50 bucks. I had no idea that Perry knew the Lord's Prayer. (laughs) Now, whether the Lord's Prayer is a treasured part of your spiritual life or whether like Perry and McMahon, you have no clue what it is really about. My prayer is that as we study it over the next six weeks, that God would use it to draw you closer to himself. So let's begin by hearing about one of the two occasions in Scripture that Jesus taught the prayer. Uh, this one from Matthew 6. We're going to hear also in the message that he also taught it in Luke chapter 11. But here, the word of the Lord is uh, Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. Starting at verse 5. And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you go to pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Let's pray together. Lord, I I do pray that as we reflect on this prayer, that it would not just be a time of looking at an ancient document. Lord, I pray instead that it would be fresh, that your spirit would make it new, that what is familiar to some would become real and life-changing. So work by your Spirit's power in this time, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, One of the things that had to have been clear uh, to Jesus' disciples was how important, how central, how essential prayer was to Jesus' life. They could not have helped but see as they witnessed him going through life that prayer wasn't something that Jesus just did out of obligation or guilt, but that instead the fullness of life that was so obvious in him flowed from his life of prayer. Prayer was the one constant in Jesus' life. Though his schedule rivaled that of any corporate executive, the Gospels tell us that Jesus, Luke 5, 16, often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He prayed when facing life's biggest decisions. Before appointing his 12 disciples, Luke 6 tells us, he spent the night praying to God. He prayed when he was sorrowful after John the Baptist was executed. Matthew tells us he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. To be alone with God. Jesus prayed when facing hardship. Spent the night before his crucifixion. Praying in the garden of Gethsemane. Even while on the cross. What we hear from Jesus lips are words of prayer. Father forgive them. For they do not know what they do. Indeed Jesus final words. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Were words of prayer. No one ever prayed like Jesus. Disciples, they had a front row seat to observe Jesus' life of prayer and saw that prayer left Jesus filled to overflowing in his life. When Jesus prayed, things happened. Which is why it is not at all a surprise to hear the disciples ask Jesus in Luke 11 to teach them to pray. In other words, we've seen how absolutely central prayer is to your life, Jesus. So show us how to pray like you pray. And the good news from the scripture is this. Jesus said, okay. The greatest prayer who ever prayed agreed to teach the disciples and through his teachings to teach us to pray like he prayed. And what did he teach them? The Lord's Prayer. And in our text today, Jesus expands upon his teaching from Luke uh, in a second time when he uh, taught this prayer. And what Jesus says in Matthew's version is this. He begins by saying that there are worse ways to pray, verse 5, when you pray, uh, do not do this. And better ways to pray, uh, verse 9, when you pray, do this instead. In other words, Jesus is saying here, there are some things about prayer that you might not fully get, uh, some things about prayer that you might have missed. And I want to help you grasp what God really had in mind when he gave humanity this ability to talk with God. If, Jesus is saying, you want to go deeper in this thing called prayer, if you really want to know what is at the heart of what you see in my life, Jesus says, Here's how. This is how you should pray. Now Jesus, in teaching this prayer, is not giving us a formula. He's not saying, memorize these exact words and always pray them in this exact way. No, instead, Jesus is giving us, if you would, a model, a model prayer, a template, an example to help us understand what prayer is really all about. Now, the way Jesus begins his prayer, at least for some of us, might seem a little obtuse. For we wonder what he really means when he says, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. There's an old joke, uh, not a good one by the way, uh, in which a little boy keeps calling God Howard. And when asked why, he says, because that's what the Lord's Prayer says, our Father in heaven, Howard, be thy name. I I told you it wasn't a good joke. But what does Jesus mean then when he says, uh, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name? Well, we can better understand what Jesus means by looking more carefully at Jesus' introduction to the prayer in Matthew, which begins verse 5 with this. When you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to, see, to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have already received their reward. Prayer, Jesus says, is not primarily a public practice, which, if you think about it, is kind of interesting since this is the very way we traditionally use the Lord's Prayer, right? Praying it together uh, in church publicly. So is Jesus saying that we should never pray this prayer in public? Are we also never to pray in public in general? Not at all. The kind of prayer that Jesus is forbidding, condemning, is prayer for show. Prayer that is meant to impress. Prayer to be seen by men, then, is prayer that is intended to be noticed by others. Prayer uh, to show uh, one's spiritual superiority, This kind of prayer, Jesus says, is its own reward. It's absolutely counter to God's true intent for what he gave prayer for. Instead, Jesus points to a different focus in prayer by saying this. When you pray, go into your room and close the door. (laughs) Now, wait a second, some of you are asking. Why a particular location for prayer? Can't I pray wherever and whenever I need to? Are prayers like this one from Calvin and Hobbes? Anyone but me, just let her call on someone else. Are those kinds of prayers abnormal and wrong? No. The help me, save me, watch over me, provide for me kind of prayers that we pray on the run in the hustle bustle of regular life Though whatever comes to mind in a particular moment kind of prayer, those are natural things for us to pray. It's natural for us to pray that traffic would be light when you're late picking up your kids. Natural to pray, please get me to the gas station before I run out of gas. Natural to pray uh, for the Mariners to win the World Series this year. <laughs> Which, by the way, would be a miracle and prove there is a God. <laughs> What then is the point of Jesus saying, go to your room and close the door to pray? Let me put it like this. On a typical day, much of my communication with Beth is on the level of schedules or what's broken or what do we need at the store or who's cooking tonight. Normally me. No, I shouldn't say that. (laughs) It's real communication, isn't it? But here's the thing, if that's the only communication Beth and I have, if it's only on the level of meet me here, schedule uh, that together, uh, please pick this up for me, if the only conversations that we have are the -the on-the-go conversations in the midst of the busyness of life, what can happen is this, I can end up sitting across from this woman I dearly love and feel disconnected. Not because we aren't talking, we are. But because of this, because there is a world of difference between talking in the midst of life's hassles and busyness and going for a long walk with the one you love. All the difference in the world between dealing with life's immediate needs and a lingering conversation over dinner. One leads to life management, the other to a deepening of relationship. Jesus tells us to go into our room and close the door because he knows that it is possible to talk with God the rest of your adult life and never really get connected. Because our relationship with him is meant to be more than life management. And so we go into our room and close the door to talk in order to make space for God, space for a deepening relationship with Him, and notice with whom it is that Jesus says that we are to have this deepening relationship. We are to have it with, uh, we are to pray to our to your Father who is unseen, a phrase that is parallel to the first phrase of the Lord's Prayer, "Our Father in heaven." Now, while At first hearing this, those phrases might make God seem kind of distant, right? But let's look more closely at what Jesus is really saying in these phrases. First, the word unseen. Unseen here does not mean absent as in far away and unavailable. No, it has a different focus. It means instead to be present and accessible, just invisible, this is clarified uh, even more in the phrase, our Father in heaven. You see, many of us think, uh, when we think of heaven, we think of a faraway place, way up in the sky someplace, not scripture's perspective. Heaven in the scripture is not so much a place far away, but instead a different spiritual reality. Think spiritual dimension, not distant, but present close to us, as close as possible, right with us, only in a different kind of way. Which is to say that God doesn't look upon our lives from afar, but that he is here, present with us, just unseen. And so to go into your room and close the door to pray is Jesus saying, To make space in your life so that you are undistracted and can focus on this real unseen reality. And who is it that is this invisible God to whom we should pray? Jesus calls him what? Father. A title, uh, when as used by Jesus, was startling to the people. You see, God was not... Aristotle's unmoved mover, not an indifferent power, essentially uninvolved in human affairs. No. For Jesus, God was infinitely more personal. God was the perfect father, perfectly caring, perfectly encouraging, perfectly wise, intimate and loving. And the astounding thing is this. Jesus says that God is not just his father, but our father not Father as in some of our human experiences, but the perfect Father. A Father who is present with us, giving direction and help and support and encouragement. Uh, A Father who sees us as we are and yet loves us still. A Father who demonstrated that love by sending Jesus as the atoning sacrifice for our sin so that we could be reconciled with him. Thus, To pray to the unseen Father in heaven is not to beg a distant God to find time to come all the way down from heaven to help us, but instead it is to recognize that our Father, perfect Father, who loves us and is as close as we can imagine, wants to build a relationship with us. Which brings me to the second thing that Jesus says in his introduction to this prayer. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. There was a popular belief in the day that praying worked something like this, kind of like magic. If one prayed with just the right words, uh, 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 prayed enough times in repetition, if one prayed with enough fervency, then one would get one's desired end. You know, there's a similar belief that some have today, that if we would just have enough faith, then God would do what we want. Well, Jesus says something very, very different. Such a perspective, he says, misses The essence of prayer. Because here's the thing, according to Jesus. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, right now, some of you are thinking, now wait a second. If God already knows what I need already, then why pray in the first place? What's the point? Well, if this is you, as Andy Stanley observes You are on the brink of a breakthrough in prayer. You see, if this teaching of Jesus feels kind of demotivating to you somehow because you're wondering, wait, if I go to my room and close the door and the Father already knows what I need before I ask him, then what am I going to say to him? If that's you, you are close to going further in prayer than you've ever been before. And here's why. Because if that is you, you are close to understanding that the point of prayer is not primarily about asking God for things. Of course, as we'll discover in this prayer itself, uh, we can ask God for things. But according to Jesus, it's not prayer's primary goal and it's not the place to start. Well, does this mean then that we don't get anything from prayer? Oh no, we get something. Something extraordinary. Here's what we get. We get God. This is what Jesus is teaching in the latter part of the first petition of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. This verb, hallow, is kind of archaic for us. It's not a word we use a lot. Daryl Johnson does a great job of helping us understand it by describing it as meaning to holify, that is, to make holy. It means uh, to highly value, to make prized above all else. It means to glorify, praise, honor, exalt, magnify, revere, manifest, and reveal. And what is it that we are asking to be manifested and revealed? God's name. And in scripture, what you need to know is one's name is much more than what we call someone. In scripture, name has to do with character. It is a way of describing the very essence of who a person is. And so, catch this. When we ask that God's name be hallowed, what we are asking is that his very character, who he really is, would be made Manifest, And here's something important to see. The prayer isn't God help us make your name, your character manifest in the world. No, uh, that wouldn't be a bad prayer. It's just not what Jesus is teaching here. It's that Jesus is teaching us to ask. In fact, because the verb is in the imperative uh, uh, tense, it means uh, it's a command. God himself is we are asking God himself, commanding God himself to manifest his character. In short, the prayer is in a very real way, God, show yourself to me. Manifest your glory, your majesty, your holiness. Show yourself as you really are. Why? Because of this reality. Because if I could begin to see who God really is in just the smallest of ways, if I could begin to grasp it, I would have no other option but to fall on my face in reverence and worship. If I could begin to see the gloriousness of his holiness, how could it not create in me a desire to be more like him? If I could see what grace was really like in God, if He manifested it, how could I not turn to Him with the most grateful of hearts? If I could begin to grasp, even again in the smallest of ways, how much God loved me, how could I do anything but love Him back? So, show yourself, reveal yourself, manifest yourself as you really are, and not just to me. But in my workplace, in my neighborhood, in the Wood River Valley, reveal yourself in the world. That's the prayer. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father, that is, my God who loves me more than I can imagine, who wants me, created me to have the deepest of relationships with him. Our Father in heaven, my God who loves me more than I can imagine, who wants me, created me to have the deepest of relationships with him, my God who is present for me, closer to me than I could ever imagine. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. My God, who loves me more than I can imagine, who wants me, created me to have the deepest of relationships with him. My God, who is more present for me, closer to me than I could ever imagine. Manifest yourself, your very character, your grace, your mercy, your goodness, your holiness, your love to me and to the world. You know, it's appropriate that this morning we're going to close our time together with the Lord's prayer after looking at the Lord's, excuse me, with the Lord's supper after looking at the Lord's prayer. You see, what we see in this sacrament is what God has done to manifest his name. What Jesus has done on our behalf at the Father's bidding, showing us God's very character, his grace, mercy, goodness, holiness, and his love. For it was on the night that Jesus was betrayed, that after he'd given thanks, he took bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after they'd eaten, Jesus took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sin. Take and drink, Jesus said. And the apostle Paul reminds us that as often as we eat this bread, drink this cup, that we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And so, ministering to you then in Jesus' name, I give you this bread and this cup. Reminding you that this is not just a symbol Of what Jesus has done, though it is that too. But it is a way of experiencing who He is, His character, His goodness, a way of understanding what it means that our Father in heaven is one that should be hallowed. Let's pray. Lord, I I pray uh, that you would meet us here, meet us uh, in this sacrament. Show us once again who you are. May this not be just a time of intellectual connection, but a way of building our relationship with you. So Lord, in this time, as we come, as we partake, work, meet us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite our servers to come at this time.